Hello, sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd. Ali? I'm Ali, your classic nerd. And I'm VM, your comic book nerd. Alright, listen. I feel like I'm hearing myself speak right now, and I sound a little off. Alright? Guys? You sound a little sniffly. Yeah. Okay. I want you guys to all be, like... You know, like, feel feel secure and safe. Your boy does not have COVID-19. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> At least I For don't now. think I do. For now. For right? now. <laughs> um, uh, last week after we, like, I, I, a couple days after we started, after we recorded and after our podcast came out, I started feeling a little under the weather, um, which sucks, dude. It's scary as shit. When there's a pandemic going on and, like, you feel sick and you got a lot of the symptoms that, like, that COVID has, you mm. freak the fuck out. Um so I called my healthcare provider. I did like a, a phone visit or a phone call visit and they put me on hold for an hour and a half, by the way. So like I'm, yeah. I'm literally on hold. Like they told me, well, you're a high priority case. We're going to put you on with like a doctor. But it took an hour and a half before I could speak to somebody. By that point, I was like, fuck this. I already started driving to urgent care, which was, yeah. you know, like I was like, all right, I just got to get this shit checked out. Which one did you go to? The one in uh, the Mission Viejo. So the one right by my house. Okay. I left. I left work because like. I don't just in case like I was like legitimately like COVID. I didn't want to get any of my coworkers sick, you know. So like I just yeah. I was like fuck this, I'm leaving. And I told my boss like dude, I'm leaving. I'm going to urgent care. So I left work, um, and then I went into urgent care. They did the flu test. Have you guys ever been tested for the flu before? Uh, I'm not sure. No, I, I can't remember. So. I can't think if I if I ever have. So they stick this fucking like thing in your nose, and like they pry it up in there and like swab dude it's the most uncomfortable feeling in the world like oh jeez, yeah it's the worst feeling in the world your, your eyes tear up your fucking body was trying to fight like the nurse off so i have to like put my hands behind my back because I've, I've done it before so i know how painful and shitty it is it's painful um, yeah dude they're fucking prodding you up into your nose like it's have you ever had anything go up your nose before i have i have i yeah. had uh yeah so it's like it's it sucks so they test me for the flu Test come back negative, um, which like actually like I was hoping it came back positive. Like it's the first time I'm like, oh please tell me I have the fucking flu because if I have the flu, I know how to fucking beat the flu. You know, like yeah. go home rest, fluids, chicken noodle soup, orange juice, and I'm good. Um, but they said it, they it came back negative, and then they did chest X-rays and stuff. They determined that I had a uh, respiratory infection, mm. like a viral infection in my chest. So like I was off of work for five days, and then yesterday like i like that's why like our podcast is coming out a little late i haven't been feeling well still so i was scared that like hey maybe i actually do have fucking covid so i called the doctor again and um they uh they did an e-visit with me right it took like an hour and a half two hours but like i did like an e-visit with my doctor what is um, that like on skype no, it's like a phone visit, and then you're like okay. you're typing in like all your symptoms and stuff. It's like weird. They just it's like an e visit because you're on the phone, oh. but like you're not like actually skyping them. Oh. Um, but like I, you know, so they were checking. They had me check my temperature, and like it was like a ninety nine point seven. So it's like a very low grade fever. Yeah. And he's like, hey, look, you know, just keep monitoring your fever right now. You're low risk because you haven't traveled, you haven't come in direct contact that you know of with someone who tested yeah. positive. So we're not going to test you for it. And even if we did, there's like a five day turnaround time. And, um, like we can't do anything unless like, 
This is the weird place that we're in as like one of the richest countries in the world, right? And in the history of the world, we should say. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like on one end, you have to test. You have to test mm-hmm. in order to be able to find where this is so that you can trace it, quarantine it methodically and meticulously track it. This is what South Korea did. This is what Vietnam did. This is what like the countries that have like managed to, to flatten the curve, the countries that have managed to address this the fastest, yeah. that's what they did. Ones that we consider a third world, by the yeah, way. Those yeah. countries managed to do it and do it right. On the other hand, we're in this state where we're like, we don't have enough tests. No, yeah. The and CDC. so we have to test, but we don't have enough of them. So it's like, you have to do this weird <laughs> guessing game where it's like, all right, we won't test. Hopefully you don't have it. Yeah. Because technically we should be tracing this so yeah. that we can find out where it originated, who you contacted, etc. And it's like, Jesus. But it's but the reality is that you likely don't have it. Yeah, more than But the than scare likely. was still real. Yeah. Because, like, imagine, like, you know, like, for me, it's like, all right, realistically, like, I have a, I have a really weak immune system, but, you like, do. I'm not that, it's not, like, as weak as others. Like, I'm, you know, like, thank God, like, I've never been diagnosed with, like, cancer or, like, a pulmonary or, like, like heart yeah. condition where it's, like, life-threatening for me, right? Like, yeah, it would probably suck if I got it. Like, I'd feel like shit for two weeks. But, like, I have a, you know, like, a near 60-year-old diabetic mother at my house. So, like, I've yeah. been avoiding her as much as possible. And, like, God forbid, like, I gave it to her, you know? Yeah. This so is also it, why the self-quarantine thing isn't exactly the right solution. Yeah. It's like, uh, we, because we you're quarantining in family clusters. This was actually the issue in China. Mm-hmm. Was the family clusters was what allowed it to spread, and so it takes a, it takes a little bit more than quarantining. There's like components that there were, there's more needed. Uh, there's actually a doctor on MSNBC that was talking about this. It's, it's not immediately that we need to self quarantine. It's testing that matters more than anything else. Yeah, being able well, to trace where it is and track it down. I think it's that thing too, where a lot of Asian families like you know sometimes there's six or seven people, sometimes more in a house. Like it's yeah. not far-fetched for generations of families to live together in a house right yeah, so yeah i mean i had you know aunts uncles you know all the times people raise their kids with their parents that still live in the house too yeah you know it's not far-fetched for vietnamese families but i think what uh, my brother had actually brought up a really good point the other day where he was like you know it's not you shouldn't be testing i mean you should be but you shouldn't just be testing sick people technically yeah. you should be testing everyone and that's how you control where the virus is going. Well, that's like, what that's what that's what Vietnam and South Korea did. South Korea actually yeah. set up mobile testing centers, um, so that people could literally or drive through ones, where people can actually drive through and get tested. Uh, the purpose being that it's not just sick people that you're testing. Oh, someone's confirmed. So and so has cor- the coronavirus or COVID nineteen. What we're, what the purpose is is to say this is where it's spread. This is who's a carrier because part of the issue is that plenty of people can be asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. And they could still be a carrier for it, and this is one of the reasons why I think uh, the younger generation and the older generation aren't taking it too seriously. Mm. It's like you, you know, the younger generation is just like, ah, oh, whatever. If we get it, we get it. I'll we'll recover. But they don't understand that it's like you probably won't have much of an impact on you, even though they are technically now we're finding out that young people are actually very much falling ill. Yeah. But it's the fact that there's an, a part of this virus that it's latent that it's not. You know, people aren't showing symptoms, but they're passing it on to other people. That's what makes it an issue, and that's why testing is like the that's the that's the front line. So, but yeah. it's weird to me. It's like they're like, oh well, 
you know, we need to make sure you're okay, but we're not going to test. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, to me, like, that doesn't sound like <laughs> the right solution. But in their defense, they're having yeah. to deal with the fact that they have a limited number of tests. That's true. That's and right. this is in wealthy Orange County, for the record. Yeah. Right? Well, isn't it also, though, it's just... I mean, we waited so. I mean, the country waited so long because someone needed to make a profit off of it first. Before well, it turns you know. out, turns out that there's like the mismanagement of this is going to be of epic proportions. And yeah, as dude. a historian, I've noted this. I've said this quite publicly: is that that years from now we're going to look back on this moment and discuss the mendacity and like utter incompetence of this moment as far deadlier than the disease ever was. Yeah. Um, and it's true. Uh, not only, you know, is it a matter of like we didn't we didn't test we didn't test early on we did nothing about it, um, and and didn't take it seriously and just allowed it to kind of spread very early on. We kind of fucked up, even though the warning signs were there. The World Health Organization, the CDC, but now we find out that it was even more fucked up. Is that? Uh, People like uh, Richard Burr, who is a who sits on the Intelligence Committee, Republican, was receiving reports very early on of how deadly it was, mm-hmm. and months ago met with private donors and told them that it was serious. Wow! While publicly saying it's not that big a deal. So yeah. donors get one bit of information; private ordinary citizens get a different type of information. He also happened to have sold 1.5 million dollars of his stocks before the stock market collapsed. Oh, isn't that of considered a crime? Like inside, <laughs> it is. So that's what, what the, the breaking news that's just come out uh, this past day. Uh, and so there's, I'm likely going to be investigations of that. But he literally. Used yeah. his position to worry about his finances and his donors before doing his job as a public servant. So yeah, we're living in not just the era of the coronavirus, but we may we may very well be living through the era in which people finally go, all right, this government needs to. Which is <laughs> funny be because somehow you know the uh, you know the caging of brown children didn't do no, it. No, no, of course. You not. know, like and everything else. You know, but uh, the second white people start getting sniffles, yeah, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> Trump's <laughs> luck has run out now. <laughs> yeah, the second toilet paper became a thing, and people were forced to wash their hands. Now it's like, uh, you know what? We're done. Mm. We're we're gonna socialism we're might be a good out. idea if it means that I don't have to fight over toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, or you know, you can fly to Miami and try to spread try to spread the disease to where literally every old person retires and goes to. Yeah, but the problem, the, the issue States. is that we're only in like what day eight or day nine of self-quarantine we're not even in like we haven't gone a month no we haven't experienced what china's gone through you know what i mean like it's been like two months of this or like three months of this we've gone day eight and we've already start started to lose our minds yeah like you could see people cracking on twitter and social media already yeah the shit that's being said the shit that people are doing you're just like wait oh my god yeah coronavirus brain is a real thing quarantine brain is a real thing i had to tell you man like i i i realized you know as as someone who who got their degree in anthropology you know i realized we are social creatures right like there is a certain there's something based on our genetics that requires that we interact with people on a person-to-person basis and the internet is not even close to being something that could replicate that right and i think this quarantine really kind of shows how 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 like the cabin fever that sets in even though technically we're still in contact with one another it's not like we're in the middle of nowhere during like a zombie apocalypse right and it was like this this girl that went to middle school with that i have on facebook you know facebook now in our adult years you know there it's it's like your way of kind of sorting out 
you know, like people's birthdays that you only want to talk to once a year. <laughs> and like also like, you know, like about who, who got who got fat and crazy, you know, in their thirties. <laughs> right? That's fucked up. <laughs> and you know, it, it's it's basically it's I mean, let's face it, it's basically what our ten year reunion was kind of there for originally, but mm-hmm. because we can kind of keep now it's like live updates on who gained weight, right? Um <laughs> This girl went to middle school with wrote and it's like I wish it was like it you know it's it's one thing if you if she like shared a tweet or like something it's like all right it's dumb but she took the time to write like this essay that I that I read through on her Facebook about how Tom Hanks getting uh getting the coronavirus and his wife while in Australia is uh is a hoax perpetrated by the left to uh to make sure that Trump doesn't get reelected uh, in 2020, because is he's this someone a, we went to school with. Yeah, we went to middle school with her. I don't. I don't. Know, I don't think we went to high school with her. But like, she. Uh, yeah, it was this whole thing. She like had these. She took the time to like do all these like statistics about like the percentage of people in Australia who who have confirmed to have the virus. It's like of all I'm, those millions I'm of people. Curious about the people yeah. who believe that the coronavirus is a hoax. It's like now yeah. that Trump is saying it's not a hoax and he's taking it seriously. So what's like what are they saying now if it was like if he's been saying it's a hoax and a hoax and they've been following dear leader right that's one thing but now their dear leader is saying oh yeah it's not a hoax it's serious we need to take we need to address this and republicans are on board now it's no longer a democrat thing it's actually like everybody's like oh shit it's real so what are they saying trump's hurting his own chances of getting reelected like so what is the conclusion now it's like this is the question i want to ask trump now admits that this is real He's seen the evidence and says it's real. Is he now just hurting his own chances? Is that, I mean, I, I think one of those things about conspiratorial thought is that it doesn't really stand up to much scrutiny. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, I mean, literally the most basis of... But that's the issue. They should face scrutiny and they rarely do. Mm. Yeah. It's like n- not that many people push back on social media. And that's Listen. the problem. As the resident alcoholic and the person who's done the most drugs on this podcast, I can confirm. Wait, wait, uh, wait you say that as if you've done like a lot of hard drugs. I've done. I mean, in the, yeah, you need to put true. this in relative terms here because the way you said that made it seem like you, like you're this hardened criminal that's just like come well, out from yeah. from the, from the slammer. It's like, yeah, man. Well, I've been. Do- I was in my twenties. I used to slam coke. All like, <laughs> let's be clear. The reason you can say that is because your co-hosts are me and V. Exactly. <laughs> it's because like there's like zero on our side. So that is, yes. that's the only reason you could say yes. that. You yes. having smoked weed a couple times <laughs> in, your, in your late teens <laughs> doesn't mean that you're this like hardened drug user. Let's clarify this. Compared to you two, compared, compared to you two, I'm a regular fucking but Pablo Escobar. Like, yeah, there's no word you junkie say, like, is over I've here, done yeah. the most drugs. He's, he smoked weed like twice in his life, people. <laughs> yeah. I snort Flintstones fooled. vitamins. <laughs> yeah, don't be fooled by this fucker. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I had a point here. You ruined it. All right. So no, as a person, I to blow your cover. The way you said that, just yes, was, as a per- but technically, he may just sound like a decent human being too. It's not like <laughs> oh, you true. know. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, Diz is the is the uh, opioid epidemic of currently nerdy. <laughs> true. He smoked listen, weed I've, twice in its life, people. Twice. I've also been around the circle of the potheads for longer than all of you. All right. Yeah, we grew up with all the drug yeah. addicts. Yeah, I still I still hang out with them. All right. So I could tell you, I can tell you. That coronavirus was manufactured 
by the toilet paper industry to get people to buy more toilet paper. Oh, uh, yeah. Charmin Definitively. Gate. Yeah. Oh, it's it's those called the bears. Charmin disease. Yeah, the, the damn bears that are wiping their ass on TV all the time. They're laughing at you. They are. They started this. It was those Charmin bears, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. Let's let's get that some traction. All right. Let's uh let's let's hit up QAnon. Have them like tweet about it, and then I'd maybe pre- I prefer not to do anything with QAnon other than maybe laugh at them. We could get it trending, man. Um, <laughs> we don't know. We don't want them trending any more than they already have. Ah, dude. <laughs> uh, it's funny. These people, man. So last week on on Twitter. Twitter has the weirdest trend sometimes, all right? When the coronavirus happened and the NBA got canceled, Magic Johnson was trending, which was terrible. <laughs> I wish I wish no one saw that fucking trend. But last Tuesday night during the debates, um, there was a trend on Twitter, and it was Oprah Winfrey trending on Twitter, right? Oh, uh, Lord. And the reasonable person in you would, would think, oh, okay, maybe Oprah has decided to endorse Joe Biden or... Uh, Bernie Sanders, yeah. but no. Oprah was trending because QAnon made her trend, and they p- had this conspiracy theory that uh, Oprah had died, and she had been raided because she had a, a pedophile ring. She didn't uh, die; she was arrested. Oh, she was arrested. I, yeah. I sworn it was. It was. Some people said she died on here on this article that I'm reading on the Washington Post. No, no, Post. she was arrested. Was the big one. Yeah, yeah. I think because there was like a tweet and it was like a random video of like someone breaking down a door or some shit too, right? Yeah, bro. They they claim that like she was running a fucking pedophile like ring, and she was getting calls and stuff. So she had to tweet that you know like this is not true, this didn't happen. Like I was laying in bed. I can't believe that people are saying this shit, man. <laughs> The lengths that these QAnon people will go with their conspiracies. Yeah. Did did you know that they have a conspiracy saying that JFK Jr. is not dead? That he's actually alive and well and he lives in Pittsburgh? Uh, Oh, yeah, well. It's like Tupac. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, it relies on the fact that you can't disprove a negative, right? It's true. That's what it relies on. There's just enough evidence out there that you can convince yourself of anything. Yeah. If I wanted to... I could convince myself that you were running a drug ring, mm. right? And there's enough evidence if I pull out of context things that you've said, what you just said right now. I cut that, <laughs> slice that, right? That's true, right? It's just enough for, for someone to go, oh, shit, yeah, he really is. He's Pablo Escobar. Yeah. He's just gotten a face transplant, right? <laughs> so, like, I could convince that. It's hard to disprove the... Ne- it's like, the, the, prove that the sun doesn't rise in the east. It's like, oh, well... <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's hard to disprove. Their JFK Jr. one got disproved because they said he was going to come back July 4, 2019. Well, all the K- K- and QAnon stuff has been, like, everything he said so far. The only reason people still believe is people are morons. But oh, every yeah. prediction he's made has, has not come true. He has predicted that Trump would uh, give a address where he says, um, fellow Americans, the storm is upon us. And then it would lead to the arrest of Obama and Hillary Clinton. All that. None of that's come true. None of it. So is QAnon one guy, or is it like a... I think it started as one guy on 4chan, but there's like a few people who play it up. Yeah, because I mean, technically, the the idea behind that is that anyone can kind of take on that moniker and write whatever the hell they want. Hmm. And I think what's crazy about that is that, you know, really, it's there's actually a great Simpsons episode where Lisa and Homer are like in the front yard, and she's all like, you know, like, uh, there's a... It's like, you know, uh, I can tell you that this rock here keeps bears away. 
And it's all like, and it's like, but you, you don't see any bears around, do you? Right? And it's all like, but it doesn't mean that the rock keeps the bears away. And then Homer ends up wanting to buy the rock because he mm. thinks it works. Yep. Right? It feels like it's the same thing with the JFK Jr. thing, right? Where it's just like, you know, there's no, it's like, there, it, outside of like what you kind of see in your immediate area, there's really no way of you, like, like you said, there's like no way of actually proving it, even though it's dumb. You know, like it's, it's, just, it's so, it's so, it's just so badly, um, I think it more plays on what people want mm. to be true more so. And then people are going to convince themselves based on kind of their own personal desires more so than them ever actually making it a point to try to figure out whether or not things are real. Right. And that's, I think that's the power of QAnon at the end of the day or any type of conspiratorial thought, you know, and uh, you look at how the amount and then with the internet and with the way communication is, it's so easy for these things to blow up so big and so quickly. Yeah. That it's like Oprah had to address, you know, the conspiracy on Twitter. And it's like, you know, imagine being someone like Oprah who, you know, doesn't really have to address anything if she, she never, she never has to say anything if she ever, if she wants to ever again. Yeah. Right. But it becoming so big that she actually has to acknowledge the fact that something so stupid right. is untrue. Well, I that's, mean, a, that's the, the power issue, behind it. Like, yeah. the, the structures are built to spread the misinformation. So, what the. Take Twitter, right? It's a prime mm-hmm. example of this. Twitter has trending topics. Those trending topics are decided entirely based off of tweet volume. That's it. And one person could be retweeting something over and over and over and over again until it gets traction. And then more often not happens. It's usually one person who says something and then a bigger account retweets it. And then it builds. And only it takes is a few thousand retweets and likes to make something trend and so when you logged in during the oprah thing it wasn't just that oprah was trending she had six different trending topics oprah winfrey oprah oprah did what Mm -hmm. like all of these were directed at oprah because not only were people tweeting the actual conspiracy theory then then people were tweeting their reaction to the conspiracy theory and then people were tweeting in order to get clout that is, they were putting out funny memes and whatnot that then perpetuated it. So then this fake news thing, this entirely false conspiracy theory, gets promoted even more. So it starts off with one person tweeting out an insane theory that is entirely make-believe. The original thing was actually a Facebook post that then got screenshotted and tweeted out. And the Facebook post, the dude talks about how Oprah Winfrey has tunnels under her house where she's been smuggling and trafficking children. And that Tom Hanks has actually been arrested, and that's why he's claiming to be coronavirus. Uh, He's not actually sick. He's in a hotel under arrest in Australia. And that uh, the reason this happened is that Weinstein is reducing his sentence by giving up everybody. He's going from 50 years to 20 years. And not only that... But Jeffrey Epstein is actually still alive. They faked his death as part of his plea deal. He also is turning on everyone. And Oprah Winfrey is just the beginning of it. After Oprah Winfrey, Tom Hanks, and then like a whole list of celebrities. All these people are going to be arrested. And the way they're going to do it is they're going to give them an option. You can either die, quote-unquote, an accidental death. Or we can give you... Uh, uh, and give you uh, you know some type of like oh we'll preserve your legacy bullshit, or we're gonna arrest you under some other pretense. Do these people now, actually believe this shit? And people believed it. Enough people believed wow. it that they retweeted it, and then enough people were shocked enough that were like maybe it's true. 
because people's minds are inherently willing to make patterns, right? So they go, this seems too elaborate. Is it possible? Maybe. So they retweeted it. And then a third group of people were like, well, this is really funny. Let me make a meme about it and put up a reaction GIF. So they tweeted about it. So all these forces come together. And now you have Oprah trending eight times or six times on Twitter, all off of one person's Facebook post. In other words, the very structure that is meant to facilitate conversation is what allows these conspiracy theories to grow. What could have been just some crazy dude on Facebook posted it once to his friends and it remained there now became a worldwide phenomenon which Oprah Winfrey had to respond. And that's the issue is that we're we're talking about social media battling misinformation, but social media is literally structured for misinformation. And it's not just, you know, these obvious cases where like, oh man, this is fucking nuts. Uh-huh. Who could possibly believe this? So just the other day, someone tweeted out a river from Italy, like, look, one of the effects of the coronavirus and the pandemic is that the waters are now finally clear because no one is is polluting it. Oh, and like Venice, yeah. And Venice. The Venice canals, yeah. Turns out that that's not even true. That's not even Venice. It's a completely different river in Italy. V, didn't you tweet something about dolphins coming back or some shit? Yeah, the, the dolphins were there. That's yeah. true. There's like there's some kernel of truth. And it is true that the water was less polluted. But the reality was that, one, that wasn't Venice. And two, there was no actual indication that the water had become entirely clear because people had stopped going outside. That was all made up. It was just, it looked good. It sounded good. It had some truthiness to it, right? That's the word, not truth, but truthiness. And people retweeted it, and they liked it. And it's like, oh, it must be true. It turns out it's not true whatsoever, in any way, shape, or form. Another DJ with only a few, uh, 1,000 followers, tweeted out that the coronavirus only has a death rate of 0.01%. It's not that big a deal. It was retweeted over 100,000 times. Holy God shit. Damn. 100,000 times. And plenty of people I knew had liked it or retweeted it or whatnot. And that tells you something. That a guy who with no medical training, who's telling people they shouldn't panic because this thing is not that big a deal, mm-hmm. got more attention than any medical professional on Twitter. <laughs> 100,000 retweets. That's more than the World Health Organization, than the CDC, than doctors, all combined. Well, I mean, I don't know if you paid attention. So, um, remember like the other day I posted on Facebook and Twitter about my friend's parents' restaurant in Minnesota, right? I I posted their GoFundMe, right? So, Facebook took that post down because... They've been cracking down on like posts about coronavirus. Yeah. So they they've been taking a lot of it down because they're um trying to see if it's like fake or not. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? They put it back up eventually, right? Yeah. But like they've been doing that to battle like the fake news about the coronavirus. And like yeah. while it sucked for like the first like twenty, thirty minutes where the post was down, I understand that. I'd much rather them like take down a post and then try to like actually see if it's real or not yeah and then put it back up if it is then like just keep allowing fake fucking posts like that to go out and circulate because well, facebook is trying to make an effort they've been they've been trying to do it, but the reality is that they're only making that effort because they've been pushed you know vigorously and they had to be dragged kicking and screaming into this moment right? yeah and now that we're in a pandemic they're like oh shit you know all of our dragging of our feet when mm-hmm. it came to political posts and whatnot 
wasn't good enough. So they introduced first that like this post may be false or this post like they did like they tried to do semi live um, fact checking. Yeah. They put a little addendum underneath everything. Mm-hmm. The problem is that if people mistrust the institutional forms of knowledge, right, then it doesn't matter if you do that. No, if Facebook don't. says, oh, this is fake, do you really think it's going to have an impact no, on someone who's a conspiracy theorist? Because, like, I'll, I'll fact check things with, like, Politico or Snopes, and then people are like, well, those are, uh, they lean left. I'm like, what? Oh, shut up. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? That's like, the issue. Like, if you don't trust institutional knowledge, and to be clear, we should always be critical of institutional knowledge. That's mm-hmm. fair. I'm, I'm the first person to say that. But if you don't believe in any form of institutional knowledge, then nothing is going to disprove you that's the issue with conspiracy theories conspiracy theories rely on one fundamental truth that ignorance is special knowledge yeah so people don't understand how viruses work and they assume that because they don't understand how it works it's a conspiracy theory they're being a free thinker by raising that point yeah people don't understand how governments work and so that's why they, they do these, th- like, oh, it's the- people don't understand. Like, hey, sex trafficking is real, right? The fight against it is real. But they don't understand, like, how the law even works. So like, they fake Jeffrey Epstein's death. And now they're like, and now he's cut a deal. And Oprah's going down. Boy, because it, what that reveals is a person doesn't even know how, to, how the fucking basic legal system works. Yeah, yeah. But they think that that ignorance equals special knowledge, that they are a free thinker, that what they can't understand means that that is the truth. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how this is possible. Therefore, it must be this other thing. Yeah. Well, isn't that, I mean, I don't know. Is that, would you consider that Dunning-Kruger? Like, I don't. Kind of. Conspiracy yeah. theory plays to Dunning-Kruger. Not all. Dunning-Kruger is fundamentally about stupid people. Hi, can yeah, you explain yeah. Dunning-Kruger to So the us? Dunning-Kruger effect is is a theory that comes out of psychology and social psych uh, and uh, political uh, psychology as well that talks about how people who are uneducated, uninformed, and dumb mm-hmm. tend to think that they're not. Uh-huh. They think yeah. that they're right. Okay. They're convinced that they're right. And the reason they're convinced that they're right is because they're dumb and uninformed. Uh, is my like inter- is my very rude way of saying it. It's my my interpretation of it. This is the base, the very basics of Dunning Kruger. It's actually much more complicated than that, but it refers to a particular type of low informed, uneducated, not very smart person who thinks the opposite of themselves that yeah. they are smart, and in turn they think that smart people and informed people are dumb. Everybody else is sheep. You are not. Yeah, right. and it's also I think was it like smart people assume that dumb people know like a base of knowledge that they don't. Yeah, so there's the, a whole part the reverse of, that thing of the Dunning Kruger or the part part of it is that people who are informed tend to think that they're not smarter than everyone else and assume that everyone else has some basis. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's more complexity, but it does tie into conspiracy theory. The only difference, however, here is that when it comes to the Dunning Kruger effect, it's about low informed stupid people. Uh-huh. Conspiracy theories are a little bit more egalitarian. Plenty of dumb people believe in conspiracy theories, but you'd be surprised about the number of people who are genuinely smart who also believe in it. That is true. And the problem is that it comes from the fact that someone can be smart in something, but they don't understand other things. And they choose to take that lack of understanding as some form of special knowledge. That's the real issue. 
That's the real problem. So the other day, someone was, was talking about, you know, the coronavirus. And they were talking about how it's a hoax because the coronavirus, if it was as deadly as people made it out to be, then why is it that people are dying at only a percent of, of 1%? And you kind of go, this person doesn't understand percentages. Yeah. Hmm. This person doesn't yeah. understand populations. That if millions of people get infected, 1% is hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. It's a million people that we're looking at the current models. We're looking at that, oh shit, we're looking at anywhere from 500,000 to 2 million people dying. It is insane. That's a right? shit ton of people. And th- that's only from, from a place like the United States. We're not even looking globally yet. Right? So they don't understand those percentages. And the problem they don't understand is that that's a projected percentage. In a place like Italy, the death rate is 8%. Oof. <sighs> In Seattle right now, it's 5%, 4 to 5%. Yeah. So it can go down to 1%, maybe. But, yeah. the, it, it, but when someone says something, you just kind of go, uh-oh, this person doesn't know how percentages work, no. right? Yeah, like, yeah. I can't debate them on the coronavirus because I have to first start to just dis- teach them how percentages work. <laughs> it's sad. You have to teach them fractions before you can talk to them about a virus. Like, hold on. Before, really... we, before we talk about the virus, let's cover let's cover some basic math here. It's like shit that we learned in fourth grade. Like, you know? right? <laughs> and it's it's the same thing, right? It's like people people do the exact same thing with, with uh, Oprah Winfrey or, or whatever. Like, here's the thing. Jeffrey Epstein, like, we talked about this, right? So people were talking about the fucking uh, pizza comma or comma pizza or whatever, right? Yeah. They were talking about Pizzagate for ages. Turns out that it existed. But it wasn't Pizzagate. It was Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Right? But they didn't want to acknowledge Jeffrey Epstein because it didn't fit in their world. Uh-huh. They didn't understand the basics of how power and money and wealth really works in this country. That a person like Jeffrey Epstein isn't, a, isn't friends with the Democrats. He's friends with the wealthy elite. But yeah. yeah, see, all my Republican friends send me these Jeffrey Epstein memes, and like I laugh at them, and they're like, "Dude, why do you think that's funny? No, like, aren't you a Clinton supporter?" I'm like, first off, no, I don't give a sh- two shits about Hillary Clinton. Second off, you do realize that he was boys with your President Trump, you know? Like, yeah, there's them, there's literally videos of them hanging out talking about girls and shit. Like, yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think also like the, I mean, those those conspiracy thoughts really at the end of the day, it's a reflection of self. It like, is. it's really not about fighting things like like human trafficking it's more about you being having access and you being special enough to have access to that information yeah. right I it mean, is it's always fundamentally been about that it's always yeah. been about i have some form of special knowledge my ignorance equals special knowledge and the problem however is that we have a system that's designed to that was uh, supposedly designed to address it the school system and the information system right schools and media these were meant to create an informed public but the structure of both of those have failed so spectacularly that they now increase or contribute to the problem the school system fixed on getting people through from k through 12 learning a certain number of a bit of information that you can then get tested on right like rather than let uh, introducing people to how to read properly, how to think critically, how to grow intellectually—that is, so that you have you've developed the 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 skill, so that once you stop twelfth grade, you are still learning. Instead, produce a limited form of knowledge that people are expected to master, and then you move on. 
the result of that is you have a population that can tell you when Columbus showed up in America, but who couldn't tell you how their government works. Yeah. Or what their basic rights are, or how to balance a checkbook. In 1492, Columbus right? sailed the ocean blue. Every fucking Having... idiot knows this, yeah. right? On the other hand, you have an information system, a media system that's meant to inform you. But they're so busy competing for ratings and audiences that they outbreaking news one another <laughs> over yeah. stupid shit. Right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Breaking news. Today, Donald Trump went to McDonald's. <laughs> it's like, really? Do I really need to know this? Today, breaking news, we found out Donald Trump threw a temper tantrum. I don't care about the TMZ version of politics. How about you tell me the information that I need to know? Right? The coronavirus is a prime example of this, right? The media has spent the past several days focusing on Trump's use of Chinese coronavirus, which is a racist dog whistle. But he's doing it very deliberately. Why? Because it's red meat for his base. That's right, Mr. President. It is the Chinese virus. I wish you'd call it the Kung Flu. Right? Oh, jeez, yeah. You haven't yeah. seen that? Oh, my God. They're out <laughs> there. They're out there. Yeah, the <laughs> Kung Flu. Oh, I wish my you'd God. call it the Kung Flu. And you're like, fuck, right? Amen. And what does the media do? Is Donald Trump being racist? Is this racist? Should we call it the Chinese? No, motherfucker. How about you tell us how the government doesn't have enough tests? Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't that your front page? Right? This is my issue. Is like because of the issue of sensationalization, outbreaking news one another, all this shit. Because they need to, they need to keep the ratings. They'll break the news. Oh shit, we don't have enough virus, uh, you know, tests available. We're running out of fucking ventilators, and then they'll move on. Yeah, yeah. No, sit with that. I want you to sit with it every single day for the next three weeks, so that everybody who's tuning in eventually is informed about that topic. Not yeah. the people who tuned in from five to six on Monday night. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, too, it's just you know uh, they're going to jump on that. They're going to they're going to jump on the sensation more so, right? It's like Always. yeah, people aren't people aren't going to remember the lack of respirators or whatever else, yeah. right? But they're going to remember something as dumb as kung flu, yeah, or yeah. chop flu or whatever the fuck you want to, yeah. whatever other racist bullshit you want to call yeah. it. Shit, but like you know like yeah you know believe me okay i had plenty of time today to think of all the racist ways of, of saying flu you know because of this stupid shit and you know people are people jump on that yeah on that thing at the end of the day it's it's inconsequential right like it it's, yeah it's like I, I yeah it's like we already know he's a racist the people who, who you know all the things that he's done before this has already indicated his <laughs> we, racism we have a hint right? we have a clue <laughs> he, yeah he may be a racist right? yeah so i'm like if if somehow him you know, uh, calling it the the, the Chinese flu, the Chinese virus or kung flu or whatever else. It, I don't think it's going to bring anyone else over into into saying that he's or he's either yeah. he's a racist or he's not, right? Yeah. But they're gonna. But you're spending. You're wasting so much oxygen on this shit. Yeah. When yeah. you should be worried more about about the things that are really important, like you said. Yeah. You know, and but it's it's sad because it's like we don't we don't think of it that way. We really just think of it in ways of how can I. Uh, what what's one way that I can kind of put out stuff on my uh, on my Facebook or my Twitter yeah. to make me sound like I'm intelligent through something you like? Right. Everyone's you know. willing to have a debate on whether we should call it the Chinese flu. Yeah. Where's the debates on the ventilators? Exactly. Where's the debates that says, wait a minute, the system, our healthcare system, isn't working? Where's those debates? Right. Yeah. And that's the that's the issue here. And he knows it. 
He may be a moron, but the one thing he understands is he was born into this system. He was born into the media system, and he understands how it works. Oh yeah, he knows how it works very well. And so he, the people, there was a person who was tracking his Twitter. Was like he's never called it the Chinese flu for months. This has only been in forty-eight hours. Yeah, but in those forty-eight hours, he knows exactly what he's doing because now everybody's talking about that. They're not yeah. talking about the fact that we lagged in our response. We're not talking about the fact that he failed to address this properly, that he ignored the CDC, that he ignored the World Health Organization's guidelines. None of that's being talked about. It was mentioned. It was mentioned in a couple weeks. Now we've moved on. Why? Because he knows that if he says something sensational, says something outrageous, that that will be the focus. And that's what the issue is that we're in, is that the systems that we rely on to inform us are now built to misinform us. They're built for misinformation, not information. Twitter is a prime example of this. Social media is a prime example of this. I mean, you, you have these celebrities out there with massive fucking giant platforms because they were their the social media immediately rewards them for being famous, right? They have blue check marks and all that. And they put out information. You're just like, fuck. People are going to listen to the Vanessa Hudgens of the world and the... You know, these other people over the doctors. The doctors, on the other hand, have like 2,000 followers, no blue check mark. They're putting out like real live time information. But it's like they get what? 1,000 retweets at the most. On the other hand, DJ over there who's like, oh, it's only 1%. It's not that big a deal. 100,000 retweets. <laughs> That's the issue. That's the problem. It's like the system that was built in order for us to get our information. It's not that it's not working. It's now built in the opposite way. Yeah. Well, it's working for a very specific group of people. It is. It is. Right? So, oh, yeah. If you're a celebrity, great. If you're a politician, great. If you're a big, you know, if, you see, if you're a meme account, great. If you happen to be a poor doctor trying to tell people how to avoid dying, yeah, dude, good luck. You're let's screwed. Just, let's just post a video of us singing, like, an inspiring song. Imagine. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. And then, and then we'll get viral. Someone, <laughs> we someone, said, someone said, I've never, I've never wanted to eat the rich more <laughs> after this video. If there's one good thing that's coming out of the coronavirus, is that it's, it's, it's radicalizing people towards socialism <laughs> in, some, in some ways. Yeah, apparently even Republicans, <laughs> Even I guess, Republicans you know, like, are like, yeah. The Republicans are doing an un, you know, something underhanded. We'll see. But this is also, like, a, a stark reminder to us that the things that we try us to work it's not just that they don't work it's that they're designed to exploit us yeah it's not just media we see this in the business sector as well right this the, the corporations during this time uh are some of them are trying to step up and they're like oh you know anyone who's you know best by the other day said something like oh if anyone feels uncomfortable working you don't have to we won't fire you right and everyone was applauding that's like oh what wow, is such a great move by best Buy. it's like wait a minute yeah. you shouldn't shouldn't have to be volunteer basis yeah. You could easily do all the Best Buy sales online. You could still have those people employed at home. It's hard. It's not an easy transition, but Best Buy can figure it out. They could all sell from home. They don't have to put their lives on the risk, but because they put out this really feel, oh, if anyone feels uncomfortable, you don't have to come in and we won't fire you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for not firing me because I didn't want to die of a disease. Are you <laughs> right? like, dude, who goes to Best Buy to buy stuff anyway? anyway? Like, who, who goes, actually goes into a store now? You know, to be honest with you, I am, I mean, not in a pandemic, obviously, but I've always bought every single one of my laptops with the exception of one. See, I person. know you do, Ali, but it's <laughs> like, you know, school. but you also, 
You know, I mean, you want to, you still want to go back to the bartering. You're an old school guy. Yeah. You're, all, you're all about the bartering system and stuff, right? Like it's, uh, you don't want to order anything goat. online because you don't know how to, you don't know how the computer works. Nah, yeah. man, I prefer brick and mortar too, man. Yeah, I mean, actually, I um, the thing is, though, most people don't, right? Like it's like, most yeah. people order online now. It's you true. Know, and it's true. But then online, you look at places like Amazon. Amazon is really screwing people over because they refuse to address the dangerous work conditions that pre-existed fucking the coronavirus. Oh yeah. And now are even worse in the case of the coronavirus. So you have some companies that have like people have been you know applauding them for doing the fucking bare minimum of being human, and then other companies that are just like yeah we don't give a fucking shit. This is actually has an imp- impacted those of us in so that were from SoCal. So anyone who grew up in Southern California, knew what K-Rock was. K-Rock oh, yeah. is this radio station, played, uh, you know, rock and roll. Uh, it was pretty white, let's be real. You know, with some exception, but it's pretty white. But K-Rock was an institution in SoCal. Um, everybody listened to it. I was, uh, whenever I went to UCLA, back in the day when I was doing my undergraduate, I used to commute from Orange County to L.A., that's about an hour drive, but if during, you're peak tra- during peak traffic, it's about two hours. And so I often left very early in the morning in order to avoid traffic. And so K-Rock was the people that kept me, you know, company during that, right? Mm-hmm. So I listened to a lot of K-Rock, and a lot of our friends did V. You know, all of them were kind of big K-Rock listeners. Oh, yeah, And I did the too. kind of institution was Kevin and Bean in the morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? that it's was like, my college years also, yeah. uh, go, going to Fullerton. It was listening to Kevin and Bean on my way to school. Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, like they, and they've been around for like 30 years. Oh, They're, yeah. They've been around longer than some of us have been alive almost. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that they, the K-Rock morning team was just fired. I read about this, that, all yeah. Of this. Yeah. So Bean left a few months earlier. He'd been thinking about leaving for a while. He thought America was kind of losing its shit. He moved to England. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you. <laughs> he, Although, just, he just up and up and went, you know what, fuck, I'm going to England. Which isn't doing too well, but it is a little bit better than the U.S., right? That uh, is true, yeah. I mean, Boris Johnson's also fucking up, but at least they have the, the NHS. The NHS, yeah. 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 Which has been, you know, scr- you know, starved for years, but again, still better than what we've got. So it turns out, what ended up happening is that K-Rock Company called them all up. Kevin Ryder, uh, along with his team, and that includes Ali McKay, Jensen Karp, Dave Sanchez, who's known as Dave the King of Mexico, uh, Jonathan, known as Beer Mug, and Destiny Lopez, and basically told them over the phone they're fired. Wow. Just got rid of them. After now, this that is many years. 30 years of work wow. for a corporation. Massive social impact, huge uh, following by the people. I mean, they they have a people love Kevin and Bean. Yeah, absolutely. And yet, during this particular moment, just because their the economy's bad and the ratings went down, dropped them. Dropped so, them like, like yeah, that. during a pandemic. Listen, <laughs> they dropped them at the drop of. I mean, this is a crazy way to drop somebody. I okay. Can I, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Right? He's going to play white yeah. devil's advocate. No, look, so I didn't grow up in SoCal like you guys did, so yeah, I don't yeah. I don't really, I never really listened to Kevin and Bean, like it wasn't a thing for me, right? Um, but, bro, let's be real. They were, so they, they were number one in 2003, right? That was 17 mm-hmm. years ago. They're ranked number 15 right now, you know? Like, K-Rock is the 15th highest radio station in LA, I can't even name fucking fifteen radio stations, but K Rock is number fifteen. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I mean, people aren't listening, and I, I'm pretty sure they demanded big salaries, right? Because they've been there for so long, and they were at one time, like, mm-hmm. the highest-rated show. Mm-hmm. So, like, I understand it from a business sense. Yes, it Here's sucks. the thing. Here's the thing. When you think of things in terms of bottom line, you don't recognize the human component. If they're number 15, what does that tell you? And they used to be number one. What does that tell you? People aren't listening to that anymore. No, no, no. It tells you something else. What does it tell you? If something used to be number one and then it moves to the 15th spot, it tells us that things are fluid. Mm. Ratings go down. Ratings go up. Mm. Things change. Numbers change. And there's ways of making changes that don't involve ruining people's lives. I the get call that. involves calling them up during a pandemic and saying, hey, you've got to go. In other words, what we're seeing is that when you think, oh, the ratings are down, they've got to do what's right for business, that's the issue. That we are operating in a model in which the first and foremost thing that we consider is profit. But they're yeah. in an entertainment industry. That's the whole point of their job. Here's the thing. It's like there are it's plenty like if, of if you're putting out a TV show and nobody's watching that TV show, it's expensive to keep producing that TV show. So why not get rid of it? Especially if you're paying these people like millions of dollars. So look, sometimes you have to adapt. The Breakfast Club is one of my favorite morning radio shows. It's mm. based out of New York. I live in SoCal, but I still listen to it all the time because they've adapted. They put their shows on YouTube. They have a podcast. They're they're putting out stuff that people want to watch. They're like one of the top-rated radio shows in the country, if not the world, because they adapted to what's going on today. So you did K Rock. So K Rock put it out, put out a podcast, and their podcast did a lot better than the radio show. The problem is that the metrics that are used to determine what is successful and what is not successful is always going to be geared toward the benefit of the corporation and not the audience and not the ordinary person. Fifteenth place is still making bil- millions and millions of dollars for that corporation. Ali, can you in name, words, can you name six they, radio stations here in LA? I can't name six radio shows. I can't name one radio station. I mean, I can maybe F at, what's that, uh, the alternative station. I know the, some of their numbers, 93.7 or whatever. I can name a couple of them. The reality is this, though. The metrics is arbitrary. The metrics, they are still making money. They're not hurting. They're not in any way, shape, or form losing money. But they've decided that their bottom line is more important than ordinary people. Now, you go, okay, that's the entertainment industry. That's, that's the way it is. That's the way the cookie crumbles. But here's the thing. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be because at the end of the day, what we determine is successful and what is not is based off of arbitrary metrics. That things that are considered not successful, quote unquote, commercially, still end up making enough money to recuperate costs. We see this in the case of like shows that are universally panned or movies that are universally panned. They make just enough to warrant a second version of that. Yeah, Ghost Rider movie. Ghost Rider being a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, you have movies that are amazingly beautiful. They are art. But because they don't meet that bottom dollar, oh, got to cut that. If our only metrics is the one that's always going to help the corporation and not put forth genuine uh, things like, is the audience happy? What's the feedback from ordinary people? Yeah, Is this still 
uh, a viable show in terms of engagement, if there's uh, not other metrics that are being taken into consideration, then you're always going to come down harshly in this way. In other words, what the what K Rock ended up doing is not unique to K Rock. Mm-hmm. They, di- in other words, they revealed how corporations always work. How corporations always function. They will always do things that benefit them and them alone, even if that means that they save pennies. Because the profit that they're making versus the money that they're paying those people, come on, man. Yeah. You can't you can't tell me they're like, oh man, they're paying these people lots of money. You think that was hurting this this corporation? This massive conglomerate? So what yeah. are they supposed to do? If they're like they're supposed to keep it on? If no, I'm not saying that they should keep it on. I'm not making an argument that it, nobody should ever get fired anywhere. What I'm saying is that what this reveals is the deep inhumanity of corporations, the arbitrariness of the metrics, and the way that at the end of the day, corporations will always do what's better for them, not what's better for the employees. I argue for a model that isn't top-down, but is shared. That's the difference. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want the nature of how it happened as well. Really, at yeah. the end of the day, it's like they call them. The guy's been they've been in the station for thirty years, right? You know, for every 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 place that I've worked at, every job that I'm sure I'm sure you've all experienced before, right? They talk mm-hmm. about about being loyal to the to the brand, right? Mm-hmm. About loyalty to the company, right? And then the second it, it, it the the company should have yep. loyalty to you. All of a sudden, you're you know you're not important enough anymore, and they're going to fire you over the phone, right? And I mean, he literally gave they, like they gave it to them the day of. Yeah. Right. I mean, he he had this special kind of the special, uh, you know, like I guess not privilege, but he was able to, you know, he finally got fired, but he was still able to do the show. Yeah. Right. And then he got escorted out. I think he said he got escorted out by like three security guards. But it's like that's that's after being in that with that company for that long, you this know, is, and they didn't even the give him the courtesy of yep. of like being able to wean him off. Right. They just. Let him go. You're telling me that corporations demand loyalty from us. Yeah. But at the other end, they're not loyal to us. Absolutely not. And that's Absolutely the thing. Not. That's yeah. the real issue. This is the problem is that the system is designed to be exploitative. At the end of the day, I don't care. As much as K-Rock in the morning was, a, was an institution, who cares? Kevin Ryder will be fine. He's yeah. a multimillionaire old white dude. He will be fine. That's not the issue here. Uh, you, the issue isn't, oh man, poor Kevin. The issue is, look at what the, this dynamic exposes. And what it exposes is a really ugly truth that at the end of the day, every single one of us are disposable. That every single one of us are treated as only valuable so long as the corporation's randomly determined metrics thinks that we are valuable. The second we no longer meet it, we're no longer. You're a prime example of this. You live and you work in a particular system in which the metrics literally is random. Mm-hmm. What's determined to be a successful sales rep is a set of numbers that they've pulled out of their ass and that they change all the time. And that change almost never benefits you. That's true. It almost never is going, hey, you know what? We found out that Diz can sell one of these things a month. That's We're still making a profit. Mm-hmm. You'll still get your commission. Nope. We've decided that you haven't had year over year growth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't do as good as last year. Never mind that there's a pandemic going on this year. You are now underwater. Yeah. We're now going to give you a verbal. <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to give you a written warning. And then we're like, 
Like that's the that's the loyal. But on the other hand, they want you to cheer your little butt off during that kickoff meeting. Yeah. They want you to go 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 company when you when you're in your team meetings. They want you to rub it. You've got to be excited for the product. This is true. But they're not excited about you. Yeah, no. I don't give a shit about you. Yeah, no one gives that's a shit about dynamic. me, man. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I understand the corporations when they're talking about you specifically, but I mean, humanity in general. The argument here that I'm trying to make is that one, yeah, it's fucked up, but at the end of the day, that even in this moment of crisis, corporations are not our friends. And the model that currently exists is a fucked up model. What if we start imagining something different? If, if we're in this moment of, ex- of exception, right? Uh-huh. We can all agree on that. Self-quarantine, social distancing. It's a weird moment. And people are going, wait a minute, all right, maybe we should think of universal basic income, maybe nationalized healthcare is not that bad of an idea. Shouldn't we also be thinking about the way our labor works? I don't sure. know. Shouldn't Isn't this an opportunity to think creatively of shared or joint ownership? What happens if you have a company or business that's jointly owned by the workers and the so-called owners? Like stocks? Not stocks. True joint ownership. Because the stocks don't make you real owners. You never own enough stock to matter. (laughs) Yeah. Right? But imagine that. Maybe it's a different model. I don't know. I could be wrong here. I'm just saying that this is an opportunity. If we're rethinking things, let's fucking rethink labor. Let's rethink work. Right? Now we're going, hey, we could all do this shit from home. Uh At least fucking inner Marxist is showing during this pandemic. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> the thing is, though, it's like apparently Marxism became uh, became really cool with coronavirus. I mean, you, um, you actually said it last week, Ali. I'm all like, yeah. coronavirus is going to do more for socialism than oh, yeah. Bernie ever could. Yeah, I and love I, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this coronavirus, as horrible as it is, it's the wake-up call. Because socialism only works when people are uncomfortable first. Yeah, yeah. When they feel the real effects of capitalism. And I think for so many years... The effects of capitalism have been plastered over by the cultural benefits. Yeah, right. absolutely. The entertainment that we got that kept us distracted, inundated by the logics of corporations. I mean, the entrepreneur mentality that everyone has fucking absorbed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everyone is, rise and shine, right? Rise the and grind. You, see that, you saw that on Twitter, right? Like, the people yeah. are like, if you're working from home, this is the best time to create a side business. Like, no, fucker. This is not. Yeah. <laughs> some, of us, some people are, are fighting over toilet paper you really think this is people are like, dying you tony robbins <laughs> motherfucker what's your problem so, so people have really observed but now that we're starting to feel it just a little bit not enough yeah. but just a little bit like, Ooh, there's a little discomfort there maybe it, we, we can shake off some of the the kind of mind-numbing power of the keeping up with the kardashians is yeah this. i mean it's certainly better than the discomfort <laughs> africans felt and the inception of capitalism in the in the, yeah. in the united states let's so <laughs> let's let's end the podcast uh here on a marxist note on a <laughs> workers of the world unite uh this is your opportunity your governments are weak <laughs> <laughs> they're showing they're yeah. showing the cracks now get them uh, while they're coughing i don't want to get arrested for saying this so i am not encouraging anyone to allegedly rise up and overthrow their government or to uh, eat the rich but as a historian <laughs> if there was ever a time this would be it allegedly 
Uh. <laughs> and on that, Diz is going to take us out. Yes, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy, Twitter at currently nerdy, Instagram at currently nerdy, Tumblr, currently nerdy.tumblr.com. We're on YouTube sometimes, youtube.com slash currently nerdy. And also, you're probably listening to us on one of the fine places that you could catch your podcast, which is, you know, S- Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, and the iTunes podcast app. If you're listening to us from there, please make sure you're subscribed and give us a five-star rating and share us. Share us like we're the vaccine for this pandemic. Should I not be making jokes about that? I don't know. I think yeah. it's fair. Fuck it. Share us. We're the vaccine, damn it. If you listen to Currently Nerdy, you'll be healthy. Um, so share it with your friends. If you want to get a hold of us. that. Then we can get sued for that shit. <laughs> oh, oops. <laughs> like snake oil salesman. Oopsies. <laughs> if you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. V, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at vtran214. That's V-Y-T-R-A-N-214. My website, thesandwichslayer.com. I'm actually boycotting sandwiches right now because they require you to hold them with your hands, and that could help <laughs> spread the virus. So just uh, wash your hands and eat with a fork right now. I had a phenomenal sandwich the other day. I'll tell you after this. Yes, I'm excited to hear it. It's the only thing I listen to you about. This is actually a very good one. Uh, If you're interested in following me, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at A-A-O-L-O-M. I actually just did another uh, tweet thread on uh, magic workers in the Middle East. So if you're interested in the history of the occult, go and check that out. Is it an autobiography, Ali? You can also find me uh, on my website, alialomi.com, or on our sister podcast, Head on History. Diz. You can find me on the social medias at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. You can also find me on Xbox Live. So if you're quarantining and want to get your ass kicked in some 2K20, hit me up, Dizbulla on Xbox Live. And if you uh, are sad and miss sports, you can listen to the Currently Nerdy Sports Podcast at SoundCloud.com slash Currently Nerdy. Season 1 about fantasy football is all up there for y'all. So go ahead and listen to that. For everyone here currently in Nerdy, thank you for tuning in. And remember, stay smart, 62 nerds. And remember, workers of the world unite. I'll, Wash your damn hands. I'll hail the currently nerdy empire. Find a vaccine. Listen to us. Listen to us.